The entrance of God's word gives understanding unto the simple. So open your heart and you'll receive insight. Welcome to Beloved City, a place you can call home, a place where you can experience the practicality of God's word. Be diligent to present yourself to prove unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So sit tight, get your Bible and prepare to take notes as you tune into today's message. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to another season of Bible study. Welcome to another glorious season. Um, I trust your week was awesome. And I trust your day has been fine. Trust your day has not been too stressful. Um, I acknowledge everyone joining us tonight. Both those that have joined us for the first time and those that have been here for a while. I appreciate your presence. Thank you so much for tuning into Bible study tonight. Alright. My name is Dami Dada, this pastor of Velocity, and I welcome you all to Bible study. Alright, so let us pray without wasting much of our time. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for everyone listening tonight. Thank you so much because the word is going to be transforming us. Thank you because we are going to be blessed beyond measure. Thank you because the light of the world is coming with ease. Thank you because our soul is coming with precision into your word. Thank you because we capture the mind of the Spirit without distortion. In Jesus' precious name, we pray that the works of the enemy are reviewed and we are delivered and we conquer in all forms. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, 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 amen in Jesus' name. Amen in Jesus' name. Alright, so, welcome you all tonight to this Bible study. Okay, so, um... I trust your day was fine. Please, you can make use of the Mixler chat to respond. Um, you can just tell me how your day was very briefly in 30 seconds. Just type your name. My name is so and so and my day was so 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 and so. Alright. So, um, I'll be looking through the Mixler chat. Please ensure you type something. Ensure you type something. Alright. So, welcome to another time of Bible study. Um, last week, we looked at something very important. We looked at... Uh, um, overcoming the works of darkness, prevailing over Satan. That's our series throughout the entire month. Alright, so last week we looked at the person of Satan. I explained that in the Bible there are primarily three um, chief princes, angels, or archangels. We look at Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. I will look at, according to scriptures, there are what they call chief princes, that is, archangels that have other angels according to their order. So, meaning they are like leaders carrying authorities. I will look at one of the um, expression of the person of Lucifer is that which is called Satan. Satan is called an adversary, that is an enemy, an opponent, and is called the accuser of the brethren. So I look through the story of um, Zerubbabel. Those were the first batch of people that left Babylon and came back to Jerusalem according to the prophecy of God, which manifested in time of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So he sent the Jews back. And I explained a whole lot of things about the hidden works of Satan and how to overcome such last week. So today again, I'm going to be proceeding forth. Now, something last week I said was in the book of Ephesians, we always see doctrines that said um, that Christ has done all and then there's nothing more for the believers to do, uh, which is not totally balanced. Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 talks about the finished work of Christ overcoming completely Satan and his enemies. And chapter 4 to chapter 6 talks about activation. So it's like saying you have money in your account, but if you don't go and withdraw, you can't actually get the money physically. So Christ is like that bank account, what he has done. Then activating what he has done is you going to the ATM to actually withdraw all that Christ has deposited for you in the bank. And I gave certain examples last week. So this week again, let me start with an example. Um... There's a particular place in the nation, some people went to destroy an idol, and when they did so, they found out that when they destroyed two idols, the following day, four idols appeared. And when the four idols appeared, they actually died. So, there are so many things like that, and this same set of people were actually believers. There are some places in some nations in Nigeria that they said, um, you can't actually boil fish. If you still take a fish from the stream, you can't boil it. If you boil it, as you are boiling it, the fish will be dancing in the water. And you have to go and make special sacrifices to the gods, for the wrath of the gods not to come upon a particular person. So these are various things that go on in the land where we call Africa itself. So 
coming into that place, we are able to understand that Christ has given us power over the Spirit, and we must come to the reality and the understanding of it. So today, we are still going to be going further into overcoming the works of darkness, prevailing over Satan. But very briefly, can we open our Bible to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12? Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Alright, Colossians 1, verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Alright, I'm going to read from here. It says, Giving thanks unto... <coughs> Sorry. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's Colossians 1 verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, verse 13 who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Alright, so, can we go to Jude 1, Jude chapter 1, we are still coming back to Colossians 1 verse 12. Jude chapter 1 verse 12, I need it to be very fast with me, Jude 1 verse 12. Alright, sorry, Jude 1 verse 6, Jude chapter 1 verse 6, it actually has one chapter, Jude 1 verse 6. And it says here, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reversed, he has reserved, sorry, reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Alright, so can we go to Colossians of our stuff again? Just want to touch something which is I'm going to kick off my teaching for. Alright, so we saw something in Jude. Jude said the angels that kept not their first estate, the word estate is their habitation, that is the place where God kept them in the beginning. The Bible said they kept not their place and came down and do so many things. And the Bible said God had reserved them, it's what they call everlasting chains of darkness. Now when you go to Colossians 1 verse 12, verse 13, it says Christ who has delivered us from the power of darkness. The word delivered is past tense. From the power of darkness. Now, the darkness here and the darkness in Jude is not actually the same word. The one here, which is uh, okay, the one here, which is in Colossians chapter one verse twelve, is the word translated as obscurity. The word obscurity. It also translated as the word ignorance. One obscurity through two ignorance. Now, this ignorance, according to Greek, it actually means something accompanied with immorality and ungodliness. Let me repeat what I said. Ignorance accompanied with immorality and what they call ungodliness. So why are you talking about ignorance? You're talking about a place void of understanding. Now, the word power of darkness, that word power there is translated as word authority. So it's in the useless, if I'm to translate it, translate it what Paul was saying is that Jesus has delivered us from the authority of ignorance, or from what they call the authority of darkness. So, when you are talking about a place of ignorance, you are looking at a place void of, under, void of understanding. Now, when you talk about understanding, understanding is light. God is light. So, in the real sense, when I'm saying darkness, I'm talking about a place that is void of what you call the presence of God, which is something that is very important. So, when you see darkness in the area of a particular thing, it actually means God's presence is not actually found there. So, the Bible said Christ has delivered us. You know, I love the word here. The word delivered actually means to rush, to rescue. So, it means that Jesus wasted no time in ensuring that he delivered each and every one of us from every power of ignorance. Now, it means that if Satan stays where there is ignorance, it actually means that Satan thrives in every environment of ignorance. He has an authority over ignorance. Now, that location is called the location of ignorance. Now, not just... The people that are there are ignorant. But even the power of darkness themselves. Now, how do I know this? I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. Alright. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. Alright. So, I will read here. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, the word princes there is simply translated as ark, or what you call lords, 
or rulers of the world. So it's serious, it's not about falling beings. So it means they are not known. So meaning there is ignorance residing in them. So most times, that's why I see Jesus talking to when he was talking to Peter, and Peter was trying to tell him, Don't go to the coast. He told Peter, he said, Get it behind me, Satan. For you do not serve all. The word there means you do not understand the things of God. So everywhere you find ignorance, you actually see that Satan actually thrives in an atmosphere of ignorance. Now, when he was talking in Jude, that's the person of Paul, he was saying that he had kept them in everlasting chain of darkness. The word darkness they actually means blackness of darkness. So the kind of darkness God kept them is not just a normal darkness. He kept them in what they call a, you know, black is not the same thing as dark. When somewhere is dark, it's not really clear. But when somewhere is black, black is like, it's black. It's completely black. That's how it is. So they are kept in a permanent state of continuous ignorance. That's how the case really is. So the, why I say the presence of ignorance is like the presence of Satan in an environment. Why I call it presence of the power of darkness is the presence of Satan. So when you see works of darkness, know that Satan is involved. And we are going to look at it from the person of Jesus. Now, can we go to the book of Luke 22, verse 53? Luke 22, verse 53. Luke 22, verse 3. 20, sorry, Luke 22, verse 53. Luke 22, verse 53. I'm really trying to beat time, so that's why I'm a bit rushing, but you might just try to catch up with me. Alright, Luke 22, verse 53. Let's look at it. Luke 22, verse 53. Luke 22, verse 53. Now, this is Jesus. He said, when I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour. And what? The power of what? Darkness. Let me repeat it again. He said, When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Now, this it means that whatever was happening here, Satan was involved. Now, how do I know? Let's go up to verse 3. Can you go up to verse 3? Go to verse 3, verse 3. Luke 22, verse 3. Let's look at something important. Luke 22, verse 3. He says, Then Satan entered into Judas, surnamed this guy, or being of the number of 12, verse 4. And he went his way and communed with the chief priest. So, meaning the hour of darkness and the power of darkness Jesus was talking about was that Satan was involved. So, Satan entered into Judas. So, when you are seeing darkness driving in an environment, People are having terrible issues. It's not that Satan has begun to gain access into situations. That's something that is key. Now, how did Satan enter? Now, let's look at John 13, verse 2. Can we go to John chapter 13, verse 2? Please just, you, I need you to open your Bible wherever you are. John 13, verse 2. John 13, verse 2. Alright. He says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the acts of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So in the real sense, what they call entering of Judas started with a thought. Because now, this Judas was called an apostle, according to Peter in Acts chapter 1. He said this Judas obtained the ministry with them. He said this Judas casted out devils, just like they did with the 70 disciples. So in the real sense, the way Satan gained access to Judas was not by possessing Judas. The first way it started was by thoughts. That's why there are three levels of Satan works. Number one is possession. Number two is obsession, which is the act. Number three is what we call oppression in the body, physical body. So Satan can afflict the body, the spirit, soul, and body of the man. Are you getting my point? So we are seeing here in Judas' case that continuous lack of working on his act allowed what they call an obsession to become a possession. So it was an instrument of Satan to what they call taking Jesus to the enemy. Which is very important. That's why when Pilate was asking Jesus, he told Jesus, he said, tell me where you are from. He said, you cannot have authority over me. He said, but he that delivered me into your hands at the greater sin. Are you getting the point? So we are seeing that Jesus was seeing that, <laughs> you see, he said, Satan is involved. That's why Jesus said, if my kingdom were from this world, then we might, what they call my armies fight. So many in the recent, he knew that what was happening was beyond the physical. Satan was already getting access into the situation. So we're seeing that one way that he accessed Judas was through the art. That's why I see the Bible says something that guard your art with all diligence. So Satan can gain his art, access into the art of the man just by thoughts. He can start with the thoughts. To Judas, he said, why not betray him for money? That was how he came to Jesus. 
Why, that's like to Judas. Why not betray him for money? So one way Satan gets access into the life of people is just coming as a thought. That's why some of you just brings a thought. Why not do this? Why not commit suicide? It just starts like that. It comes as a thought. Now, we are not stopping there. I don't want to touch something. Can we go to Ephesians? Okay, can we go to Romans 12, verse 2? Romans 12, verse 2. Then we we'll go to Ephesians 6, 12. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Alright. It says something here. That, And be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind, that it may prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now, we see something here that the mind is located in the heart, where your thought is. So Paul was really particular. He said, the mind must not conform to the world standard. Now, why was Paul saying that? Mark that two words, the mind and the world. Why was Paul saying that? He was saying our mind, he was talking to Christians there. That's the Romans. He was saying that your mind must not conform to the world standard. Now, there was a reason why this guy called Paul was saying that. Now, let's go to Ephesians 6.12. Can we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12? Ephesians 6.12. Now, this is a famous Bible scripture we've quoted. Now, let's follow it carefully. It says there that, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, the word principalities there, if you check the new translation, is actually saying that first places angels or demons. So it's talking about chief princes, angels. Now, I went what I said against powers, against the rulers of darkness, which is what I really want to see on today. The rulers of darkness. Now, the word rulers there is simply translated as lords of this world, or what you call lords of the darkness of this world. Lords of the darkness of this world. I want you to mark it wherever you are. Lords of the darkness of this world. Lords of the darkness of this world. Now, what do the lords of the darkness of this world, which is talking about dark spirits. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8. Then we'll go to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8. Follow me carefully. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8. Now it says, Which none of the princes of this world knew? For had they known, they would not have crucified the word of God. Now the word princes of this world, the same translated rulers of this world, chief princes of this world, is translated as lords of this world. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I want us to look at something. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Alright. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, let's look at what they do. He says, in whom, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, he says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine, of which the image of God should shine on So, we see something that one of the primary works of Satan as the Lord of this world is to hinder light from coming to the life of people. That's why the word there is translated as um, cosmos, cosmos, or what that's the real word there. It means those that are in control of the so it's like spirits in the heavens that are trying to hinder the light of God from coming. That's why I said that it lies wheresoever you find ignorance. So that's why you can see some people, some people can argue in ignorance, and some people prefer to reject you. That's why in church history over time. When people like John Wesley and the likes goes up and they were bringing truth to the church, they were kicking many of them out because Satan wanted the church to remain in perpetual ignorance. And that's why darkness really prevailed in us in that period. Now, let us look at something critical. Ephesians chapter 2. Can we go to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, verse 1. Okay, because of 2, let's go to verse 2. Where could you? Where in time past ye worked according to the course of this world, okay? The word there actually means the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, are you seeing that according to the prince of the power of the air? The word prince there is translated as the rulers of the power of the heavens, or what he call spirits in the heavens. Now, the next thing says that the spirits that are now working to the children of disobedience. Now, look at verse 4. Among whom we also had our conversation. You know, before I always thought that this conversation actually meant discussion. But what Paul actually called conversation here is actually conduct. Now, he's saying that we had our conduct in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So it means that the God of this world 
can create a pattern for people to live by. Now, when you create a pattern, you see people acting in that way. So, when you are seeing people acting in a way, unbelievers acting in a way, people going to dark corners to smoosh, people raping people, there is a spirit that is making people to conduct in that manner. So, Paul here is saying that, like them, we conducted ourselves in our mind and in our physical body. The same, this same set of people are commanded. Now, he's saying that the essence is because there is a spirit called the God of this world. So that's why you see things like Romans 12. Paul was saying that your mind must not conform to that standard. Because whatever your mind conforms to is what your physical body will start in order to. So one thing about Satan and the God of this world is that he likes to keep people in what they call perpetual ignorance. Which is very, very deadly. He likes to keep people in what they call perpetual ignorance. Now I want to go back to Ephesians 6 verse 12. Please just follow me carefully. Ephesians 6 verse 12. Ephesians 6 verse 12. Alright. Ephesians 6 verse 12. Now, Paul said something here. He said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, the word wrestle there is actually like we are fighting a contest to somebody pulls down his enemy. That's what Paul was using. Now, he now said, The way to defeat Satan is by using the entire armor of God. So, meaning, Paul is giving us a sense now that when you are coming against spirits. You are coming to them with a mindset of military. So I don't blame some churches that says let's bring about warfare against Satan. They actually know what they are talking about. So according to Paul, the translation there means come into a military form. Now, Paul repeated the same thing in 2 Corinthians. Can we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 10, chapter 10. Start from verse 3. Now it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now the word war there is the word for battle in terms of military. So Paul is coming again. He said, We do not war after the flesh. Now it now says, For the weapons. Now that weapons there is still translated as armor. So the same armor he was talking about in Ephesians 6 is what he's talking about here. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. The mighty discipline means power. So it means our weapons are in the power of God. To the pulling down of strongholds, which is where I now want to start my teaching from today. To the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I really want to stay on this very, very important and very, very key. Now, he says, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, the question is, Paul was writing to a church here, and that's the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church was going to certain issues. Number one was that there was somebody sleeping with his father's wife in the church. And the church was quiet about it. Number two is that they were having division issues. They were having mind issues in the church. So, Paul was trying to write here that these people are having issues with the soul realm. So, we are seeing that one of the ways Satan affects people, especially Christians, not unbelievers, is what they call the mind which is very important. Now, Paul was calling those things strongholds. Now, what is really stronghold? The word stronghold is really called a fortress. But the real translation, it actually means reasoning and arguments. So, if you really want to understand stronghold, look at what they call the wall of Jericho. The wall of Jericho is really, really high. So, when they, in old ancient history, when they built walls that are strong, the essence why they did it is for to hinder the enemy from gaining access to the city. So we can simply say that strongholds are reasonings that hinder the will of God from coming into our minds. So that's why you see that there's a semicolon after the stronghold. Now the next thing, Paul says, verse 5, he said, casting down imaginations. So you can see strongholds is explained as number one. Imaginations. Now, what you call imaginations? Imaginations are simply realities in our mind that conduct or regulate our everyday lives. So in the real sense, we can say that you are a product of your imagination. That's why the Bible was, it says something, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So in the real sense, there are reasons in our hearts that when God actually speaks, they arise in our soul. They try to hinder what God has said. That's one way Satan gains access into the minds of people. Now, take for example, somebody wants to get into a relationship. And your previous, in your family, maybe when you grew up, you grew up with your dad and your mom. And your dad was always slapping your mom. Now, you are getting into a relationship, a courtship stage, and you are about to get married. And 
your fiance is always angry. Or your fiancé is always angry. You begin to have the mind that, oh, if I get into marriage, this girl is not going to eat me, or this guy is not going to eat me. Now, that's what they call a stronghold that has been built in the mind over time. Another thing is what you are saying that you are having a stronghold that, okay, in my tribe, anger is a normal thing. And you see some people, they don't say them, why are you angry? They say, that is how I am. It's a stronghold in the mind. It's imaginations in the mind that have refused to live. And you see all that thing is thoughts of suicide, thoughts of depression, thoughts of addiction. They are strongholds in the mind. So take for example, God is saying to you, let's say God tell you now, go and start up a business. And maybe let's say, let me give an example. God tell you, go and start up a business and the business God is telling you is start up a business of, um, let's say photography. And you went online. And the first thing is you first see camera of like 500,000 or 400,000. Ah, and you say that, <laughs> I'm not sure. So a reasoning arises in your soul. That is what they call strong good. And that reason is telling you that you cannot do this thing for now. Leave it, forget it, God never spoke. So you shut down completely every voice of God. Now, the first thing I want to say is that when God speaks to you in such realm, the first thing is not able to think of money. Now, I want to show you an example. Can we go to Psalm 119 verse 72? Let me show you something. Psalm 119 verse 72. Psalm 119 verse 72. Psalm 119 verse 72. Psalm 119 verse 72. All right. Let me read from here. Psalm 119 verse 72. It says, The law of thy mouth, the law of thy mouth, is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Are you seeing that? The law of thy mouth is better to me. So, meaning the first thing is, before considering money or gold, the first thing is the law of God's mouth. What has God told you is the first thing to seek. Because if God should speak to you, it actually means the money is somewhere. That's one thing I want you to know. When God speaks to you, the thing is that the money is somewhere. But now, the thing is, there are reasonings and struggles that arise in our soul that try to counter everything God has said, that try to reason it out, which is very important. Take for example, Jesus told Peter, I am going to the cross the three days later. And he said, I'm going to die at the cross. And three days later, the son Now, the Bible said, Peter began to rebuke him. That don't say that now. And Jesus Christ said, get back, Satan. So meaning, there was a reasoning. Now, Peter might have been sincere. There was a reasoning coming from Peter that was countering what God has said. Because it does not make sense that a guy is going to die on the cross for the entire world. So Satan was arising through a man. That's why at times, when God speaks to you, you don't just share with everybody anyhow. That's why I said last week that Satan walks through individuals. So even when God speaks to you, there are people to share it with. So there are some of us that have shared something God told us, and you have shut down everything God wanted you to do. Why? Because there are reasonings that arise in the soul. That's why Paul was saying, in that first Corinthians 2, saying that the God of this world, I don't know. He said, it's not in the wisdom that human wisdom teaches. Which is very, very key and very, very important. So there are many of us that God has spoken to, but there are strong goals in the soul. There are strong goals in the mind that are rising that, can this thing even be possible? Can this thing ever be possible? Can God actually be the one speaking? So those things begin to reason out the things God has actually tried to say. That's why the first thing there is calling it imaginations. Imagination is translated as reasonings. Reasonings. Now, the reason why it's like that is that in your soul, there's something called decision making, there's something called emotions. So there's a problem when your imaginations are always negative. When your imaginations are always negative, it means your emotions will be wrong, it means your decisions will be wrong. It means when coming into relationships and marriage, decisions will be wrong. Now, there are some people that even act out of fear. Fear comes in the mind. They are just afraid for no reasons. They are just afraid. Now, the thing is, nothing is changing them, but they are just afraid. They are just believing that if they take a step, they are going to be wrong. Strong goals in the soul. Now, let's look at something about the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says something very important. Okay, I want to talk about something in the book of, um, sorry, in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verse 28. Can we go to the book of Proverbs 3, 28? Proverbs 3, verse 28. Proverbs 3, 28. 
Proverbs 3 verse 28. Now, it says something here. Let, let's... Okay, Proverbs chapter... Sorry, Proverbs 3 25. Proverbs 3 verse 25. Proverbs 3 25. Now, it says something here. It says, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. So, in the real sense, it, the person writing Proverbs is saying, Be not afraid of sudden fear. So, there is a tendency that there are some people that are just afraid of sudden fear. God speaks to you about tomorrow. You are afraid. There's thoughts of hopelessness about the future. Now, these things are strongholds in the soul. And Paul is saying that what you're meant to do is casting down. Casting down means you demolish. The word there means to pull it down completely. So there are people that are just afraid. There are some people that are just afraid of marriage. Should I get married or not? What if the mistakes that I've seen in previous families actually begin to happen in my life? So they are just there. So those things, we begin to keep people in the states of indecision. And this is not the issue. The issue is that Satan begins to hold many people in bondage as a result of that. Satan begins to hold many people. So there are some people that just sit down. And while they are sitting down, there are suicidal thoughts. That was what happened to Judas. When Satan entered, the guy did not see any hope of forgiveness or redemption. And scripture said the guy went and he tied a rope and he killed himself. And the Bible said his bowels busted asunder. So there are people like that that are just having suicidal thoughts every day. And why is that? Satanic works. They are arising in the soul of man. They are there, residents in our thought patterns. They are there. There are some that just have thoughts of unforgiveness. They are what they call strong goals in the minds and in the soul. There are some people that just, they withdraw. Any small thing, they just withdraw from people. They just want to be alone. Strong goals in the soul. So these are issues. Now, this funny thing is, this one is even different from possession. Possession is, when somebody is, when you are not a believer, possession can easily happen. But obsession, if not properly treated, will begin to look like possession. That's why I see some people, they become emotionally disturbed and begin to wonder, now, is the person emotionally possessed? Is the person, sorry, is the person possessed? You can see some people, they become somewhat emotionally disturbed and some of them, bam, mental issues begin to arise. You can see some people, they just see a reason that, let me just go and kill myself. A voice just say you kill yourself and death is the next option. Why? Strongholds in the soul. So these things are more deadly than even just having a possession normally. It's even different from physical body oppression. You know, body oppression, you can have sickness, you can have so many things like that. But the soul is a very key area. And that's why, you know, the book of Proverbs was saying, guard it with all diligence. Guard it with all diligence. Now, the second thing, it talks about, um, it says, and every IT that exalts itself against the knowledge. The knowledge there means the intelligence of God. So I think there means, I, can, I call them elevated reasonings above the intelligence of God. So there are some of us that God tells you, go and sell Gary. And you are looking at, ah, I graduated with a first class certificate. So when a first class certificate can become an exalted reasoning against the knowledge of God. Now, some of you say you cannot sell Gary. Now, some of you have been to Market Square before. I know you go out. Now, when you go to Market Square, you will see Gary Jebu packaged in good nylon, designed in good nylon. Now, that same Gary, you will buy it for like expensive price, different from the normal one you buy in the market. Too. Now, it's not always as much as probably what is this that might just be a paint, and it's not be as much as what you sell for you in the market. Now, you are buying it for a more expensive price. Are you seeing what I'm saying? From somebody that God just gave an idea that why not sell Gary and that was trying to sell like Gary but now you are buying it and you are saying you cannot sell Gary but it was an idea that came now Bobby you are looking at that because of your certificate now the pound of yam you are eating or what they call mixed powders with you will see some of those things in the local market but somebody just had the idea from God and embraced it but now there are reasons in your soul that can arise and say that I will a graduate like you so in the real sense, strong goals can shut a faith work in God. Are you getting my point? 
Satan using your mind can shut the faith of God because we're looking at faith coming by hearing and hearing what God has said. That's why I said Satan is called an opposer to the will of God. And when we can oppose it, it will bring reasonings in your soul. He reasons you out of everything God has said. Now, tell me that God is telling you, oh yeah, um, He's telling you, Tosi, go and start selling meat. Show, go and start selling meat. For Lake, go and start selling meat. Now, you are saying you cannot sell meat, but there's a way somebody can package it. But the thing is, reasonings will arise in your soul. Now, what if your friend sees you selling meat? We are not saying you should go and do it, but go and package it. It's not different from the same type of people that they call um, Akmenota, those people that sell in normal markets. But the difference now is that God is giving you ideas to package it. But there are reasonings and what they call arguments in the soul that arise. Things within you that argue you out of everything. Some of you come with the mindset that, ah, my parents, no, 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 no. My parents have not done this before. How would you do it? God tells you, go to university. But your reason is telling you that, ah, in your lineage, that Lord university. God is telling you, study hard. You can come out the first class. But a reasoning arise. An argument begins to arise that whoever came out his first class in your house. Reasonings. Strong gods in the soul. Fear. There are some people that they can't go to their hometowns. They can't go to their own village. Because they believe that once they get there, the witches are going to deal with me. Why? Strong gods in the soul. You might see them in churches, though. They are shouting. Now, the new creation in Christ Jesus. Go to the village. They will not go. Why? Strong gods in the soul of fear. That nobody wants to die. So these things, they can be found in almost everywhere in the church. The same way too, regular thoughts, addictions, masturbations. Now, when you look at masturbation, manifesting physically, it's strength. It starts from the soul, first of all. Strong goals in the soul. Strong goals in the soul. So in a measure, there are diverse kinds of Christians that are going through various strong goals. All of you that are listening to me, there's one strong goal in the mind you are battling now. Some people say that you cannot change me. That's how I am. Strong goal in the soul. You don't know you are not meant to change to a better person. You are meant to change to Christ. If not, there's a strong God in the soul. It is there. It is there. So there are very strong gods. God wants to cripple completely. And we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying because they are there in our soul. So let's look at what they call deliverance. Now, how does this deliverance really come? Let's go to Proverbs 11 verse 9. Proverbs 11 verse 9. Proverbs 11 verse 9. Let me show you something. Proverbs 11 verse 9. Because this is a very serious. You know, I was passing one place one day like that. I think I went to, I traveled to Delta. I think it was around Delta. I was passing and I saw a shop. A very beautiful shop. They wrote butchers and something, something. It was like a complex. And inside, they hang the meats. They are not even from normal employment and Mushi market, though. But they package it so well that you cannot know they are what they call Akpemota or what they call Eleno. But why? Ideas from God. Ideas. God does deposit it. Now let's look at Proverbs 11 verse 9. Proverbs 11 verse 9. It says, An hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Are you getting my point? Now, if you compare what Paul is really, what the person of Proverbs is really saying here, he's comparing the knowledge to twofold. It's not just insight. He's comparing it to the things you say. Because he was comparing it to the words of an hypocrite. So in the real sense, deliverance comes by insight, which is seen. And number two, deliverance comes by knowledge of what you utter. That's why when you look at Revelation 12 verse 7, Let's look at how they casted out, casted out Satan. Revelation 12 verse 7. Revelation 12 verse 7. Revelation 12 verse 7. Let me look, let's look at it powerfully. Revelation 12 verse 7. Now, it says here that, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the angels fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. 
And the great darkness that God was cast down, and the serpent called the devil and Satan, which defends the world. Now look at verse 12. Verse 12, okay, verse 11, sorry, verse 11. Verse 11 said, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimony has to do with testification. You are confessing what you declare, that this is what actually happened. So, when I'm saying deliverance, we are looking at knowledge, and declaration is what casts out devil completely. And this knowledge has to do with overcoming the strongholds in your soul. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Now, let me go to verse 5. Verse 5 says, Can't see their imaginations and everything that against itself, I exalt them against knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every word, every word, thoughts, every thought to be obedience of Christ. So you see, as Christians, we are not at war against possession from Satan. We are at war against thoughts of darkness by Satan. So Satan is bringing regular insights. Satan is bringing insights. I mean, bringing ignorance. Sorry. Satan is bringing ignorance to shut down people's works in God. So there are many of you that when God is telling you, go and start selling things, you are thinking of suit and tie. You are thinking of what my friends say. No, I love, I, I love Pastor Poju. A particular guy came to Pastor Poju and he said something. The guy told him, he said, Pastor, God told me to go and start a television station. Pastor Kodi told him that, eh, go and start. The guy said, I need a camera. Pastor Kodi said, no. He said, no, you don't need a camera. Go and start. The guy said, how will I start? Pastor Kodi said, go and start. You don't need a camera. You don't need... So the guy just said, he sat down. He left. And he was like, how will this pastor start? So he sat down. He was meditating. And just called Pastor Kodi. He said, the idea has dropped. Pastor Kodi said, how the idea dropped? He said, God just showed him an idea. That all you have to do is be recording be playing advert. He said he was watching station. I saw that some station were just playing advert. Be playing advert and be playing voice notes under the ground and be displaying it for people to see. So people were seeing it and money was coming inside and many money came in and that was how, cap- that was how capital was it. So in the real sense, when God speaks to you, the first capital is not silver and gold. The first capital is not naira and dollars. The first capital is the proceeding word of God. So there are so many of you that God has told you to start a business. The first thing is not looking up and down for money. The first thing is not trying to gather money. The first thing is focus on the word of the Lord. Stay on the word of the Lord. The word knowledge there means skill, ideas, understanding from the Lord. That's the first thing that comes. That's the first thing that comes. But people are not always seeing it. That's the first thing that comes. So the scripture here is saying that every thought must be brought to the obedience of Christ. Sorry, um, I want to make sure I'm still connected. Alright, let's look at... Sorry, let's look at... Um, okay, because of time, let's quickly look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Alright. As I begin to round up, James chapter 1. We are going to be praying. But let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You see, it's very important. You see, God speaks to some people. They'll say that, eh, they'll come at me, Pastor, Pastor, I need like 5 million naira to start. You are not ready for life. If it takes 5 million naira to start the business, you, you, are not, you are not ready to do anything. Because you can't even see some people give, give to the work of God. Some people cannot give. It's like saying, someone is telling God, God, bless me with 500 million. So people can know, if God gives you 500 million, so can I pay tithes of 5 million? And so if anything is really a big issue. So the first capital you need is the word of the Lord. Now let's look at something. James chapter 1 verse, James chapter 1 verse 20, from, from verse 21. James chapter 1 verse 21. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superficial of nothingness, and receive with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your souls. So this is the word that can save the soul of every believer. The word of the Lord. That's what can deliver us from every stronghold, every fortress that tries to hinder the word of the Lord from coming to pass. So there are some of us that are going through strongholds that God, the truth is, God wants to deliver completely. God wants to deliver completely, completely. Completely, completely, completely. So now, what I want to touch is that word engrafted. 
it means instruction. So it's saying by his instructed word of the Lord. Go and check it. One of the roots word there is what a footnote. It means instruction. So just is saying by the instructed word of the Lord, you can break every form of stronghold. Now, Hebrews 4 verse 12. Then we'll pray. Hebrews 4 verse 12. 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 Let me just do that. Hebrews 4 verse 12. As I line up. As I line up. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts, and the intents of the heart. So you can see that when God speaks, His word comes, then it separates the good and evil in your soul. Are you getting my point? So it takes the word of God to break every stronghold in your soul. See, there are many strongholds in the soul of many of us that God wants to break. And these strongholds we only break by the word of the Lord. So we're going to be praying. It's very, very important. We're really going to be praying. Serious prayers. Serious, serious prayers. Serious prayers. Serious prayers. And what are we going to be praying? We're just going to be praying for the next five minutes. For the next five minutes. Please, I want you to pray. We're going to be praying for the next five minutes. The Lord. Every darkness in the soul. Every stronghold in the soul. That is causing me to act the way that I am acting. Let it be broken completely. Can we just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? Just for five to ten minutes, please. Can we pray? Don't go offline. Go, we are going to be praying for the next five, seven minutes. Don't go offline. We are going to be praying. I'm still going to pray for us generally. Please, can we begin to pray?
have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, I trust you have been blessed. So remember, these are things resident in the mind of people that God wants to break completely. So you are seeing yourself acting in a particular way that is not in line with the will of God. There are strongholds in the soul that are meant to be demolished completely and shattered that are not of the nature of God, that God wants to deliver each and every one of us completely from. I trust you have been blessed tonight. I really appreciate all of you for listening. All right, let me pray for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these ones that have listened. Father, I'm praying for them that every stronghold, every thought that Satan brings to their minds, let it be shattered completely in Jesus' name. When you speak to them, Father, they will not be hindered from having what they call a faith walk with you. Father, they will not be hindered of bringing your will, your mind to fulfillment over their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm praying arguments in the souls, addictions in the souls, habits in the souls that are trying to hinder the fulfillment of God's plans and visions. Father, such will not come against your thoughts of their lives in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for listening. We hope you are blessed. For questions or inquiries, send an email to belovedcityunited at gmail.com. You can download our messages on our Beloved City Telegram page and be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms for more updates. We hope to see you next time. Stay blessed.